Welcome to today's episode of MicroConf On Air. This is a MicroConf Talk edition of MicroConf On Air, so it's not our usual live stream. In these episodes, we look back at past MicroConf Talks that have had major impacts on attendees and on the community, and we take their audio feed and we put them in this podcast. And this is a format that has been widely requested, and anytime I've brought it up, whether in person or on Twitter threads, I get a lot of thumbs up and a lot of plus ones and let's get that going type thing. So we are kicking off with a talk from Joanna Weeb from 2015. And this is from our top five microconf talks of all time playlist, which you can find at youtube.com slash microconf. If you wanted to see the visuals, there are five talks in there that are going to be the first five talks we release once a week. That's based on a Twitter poll. I asked folks how many talks they'd like to see in the feed each week. And it was overwhelmingly in favor of releasing one talk per week. And so to kick us off from MicroConf 2015 is Joanna Weeb's talk, Lizards Through Doorways, Proven Ways to Widen Your Funnel Using Just Your CTAs, Just Your Calls to Action. So it's a, it's a copywriting talk. If you haven't heard of Joanna Weeb, she is at copyhackers.com and at copyhackers on Twitter. And she's a phenomenal copywriter. I and mean, she really has focused and niched into kind of the startup space. And she ha- also does some, some stuff with internet marketers. But she has, has just had such a presence in the microconf community since she first spoke, I believe it was in 2013. And when I first saw this talk, it was actually at another conference. It it was at kind of an internet marketing conference. And to be honest, most of the talks at this conference were not great. And I turned to my friend, I was there with Ruben Gomez, a founder of of DocSketch and BidSketch. And I was like, you know, none of these talks are inspiring me and none of them are actionable and none of them have both a framework and a story and things that I want to take notes about. And then Joanna Weeb came up and, and of course I already knew Joanna. She had spoken at at least one microcom prior to this and we'd, you know, we'd hung out at the speaker dinner. And so when she came up, I had high hopes and I was blown away by that talk. And actually it was one of the first talks that I ever kind of live tweeted because there was just so much knowledge coming out of this talk. And what I loved about it was it didn't just focus on headlines, although it talked a little bit about them, but it really talked a lot about calls to action and increasing click-through rate by how to change your buttons and your calls to action. And she has split tests that she had done over the past two years as examples. And she makes a real, really compelling framework and, and defines this term. I also love the title, right? It's intriguing, lizards through doorways. And she defines that in the talk. And when the talk finished, I actually turned to Ruben and I said, that was a microconf talk. You know, I hope she'll do it at, at the next microconf. And shortly after, I invited her to, uh, to speak in 2015. So the talk is less than 40 minutes and it's packed with, with value. And I highly, highly recommend that you hang around and check it out. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. It's, um, I'm hearing myself, sorry. It's, um... Awesome to be back at MicroConf. I attended last year, but I spoke the year before, as Rob mentioned. It's such an awesome group, and it's great to stand up here. Um, So as Rob mentioned, I'm from Copy Hackers, and there I um, do all the time what some of you do sometimes, and that is I write and test copy, the words on your page, the words in your emails, the words, the things that connect you to your prospects. Um, So that's what I get to do is, um, and I've been doing it for about 11 or 12 years, um, writing and testing copy day after day, learning a lot day after day, and sharing a lot on our blog as well. And um, frankly, I've been doing it so long, it's kind of started to warp my brain a bit. It's, um, It's like when you 
get really close to anything. Like you get close to someone's face, right? And you look at their face and their eyes get all kind of alien-like and they blur and they get really unrecognizable. And that's kind of where I'm at with copywriting now, which isn't that um, confidence-inspiring, I'm sure, for you, since I'm going to talk about copywriting today, but it's, it's, it's the truth. Um, there's so many things that, when I started out, that you've probably heard too. Um, all of these so-called best practices about writing copy and how to connect with people, um, they seem true. And sometimes they still seem true, but then other times they do not seem true at all when we do a test. So things like um, always make copy as short as possible, right? Totally false. You can run a lot of tests that will say that that's absolutely untrue. Um, the other side of that is always use long copy to sell. Nope, that's obviously not true either. Always use an orange button. Never use a text link for a primary call to action, which we learned very embarrassingly um, is not true. Um, never be clever. And never lead with a feature. All of these things are things that you might have heard along the way. And certainly, I've heard them. I've used them as best practices. I've tested them and found out that they are not best practices. There's so many things I could really go on and on with all the things that aren't true. But what I have found in, in this you know, dozen, dozen years of, of writing and testing copy is there, there are a few things that feel pretty true to me. And I want to share those with you today. The first one is this. Um, so stop me if you've heard this, um, but the line goes, when you've written your headline, you've spent 80 cents of your dollar. Has anybody heard that before? Does anybody know who said that? Okay. Oh, yes, did you say? Yes, I Oh, yeah, we did too. Shh, we don't say that. Um, no, Ogilvy said it. David Ogilvy, so the father of modern advertising, David Ogilvy, big copy advocate. He said a lot of things, of course, but he said it in a book, and people read parts of the book, and then they cite just those parts of the book, which we see all the time. Um, and so people tend to believe that the headline is everything, that you only need to work on your headline, and you can totally change your business, you can grow, you can do amazing things just by focusing on this one key part. Um, but the thing is, right, David Ogilvy died quite a while ago, and he was saying this, and the great ad men that we still continue to quote were saying these things 70 years ago, 60, 50, 40, 30 years ago. Not recently, certainly not since you know, the web. Um, and so we're taking all of this old advice and we're treating it like it's still the gospel when it is anything but, as we're going to see. So yes, some headlines are important. Don't get that wrong. Attention-grabbing headlines can do really good work. So we have, I'm going to show you a bunch of case studies throughout this to help you understand what's going on in my head too. Um, but I hope you can see this pretty clearly. I'll read some parts of it out. But we ran a test last summer. We worked on a bunch of sites all at once with this one kind of big hypothesis around what, hap what happens if um, you write copy that makes you really uncomfortable, uh, the risky, out of your comfort zone kind of hypothesis. Um, so we worked on sites like Drisipi. This is a service out of the UK. Um, this is their control. Clothes you love, perfect for your shape and size is a headline. It's a perfectly good headline. Um, but we decided to test a variation against it that used language that we found their 
audience or their segment was using a bit more. It's a little risky, right? It's not something that you would normally want to put on your um, page, but it worked for their audience, or we believed that it would. And it did. It did okay, right? We got 14% with confidence, 14% more clicks to sign up. Just clicks on that pink button there. Okay, that's pretty good. So if you work on your headline, you can get some improvements. But, but, bland headlines, really crappy, boring, dull headlines work as well, too. So this is ViewScan scanner software. As the headline tells you, that's exactly what it is. Um, we tested on this because we looked at it, and I think, you know, I'm a copywriter, and I think everybody looking at this headline right now could objectively say ViewScan scanner software is perhaps not the best headline for this site. It's good, you know, from message matching, that kind of perspective. And, Good for SEO, maybe, um, but is it a good headline? Is it going to make people want to do something, want to do the thing that we want them to do, and that hopefully they'll want to do that too? So we thought, no, no, we can definitely improve on this. So they have really good traffic and good conversion rates, so we were able to test three different headlines against that control. Um, any idea which one of those beat the control? None. None. None, flat, completely flat, embarrassing, awful results, and the client was not incredibly impressed by that at all. Um, but the takeaway there is, right, that you don't actually have to always improve your headline. That might not be, not even the low-hanging fruit, but a, an option for you at all, which leads me to believe um, that, you know, the headline show is over, that the days of it being all about your headline and focusing on your headline, working on that above everything else, um, those are gone. It doesn't mean the headline doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have a headline on a homepage or landing page or pricing page or any of your pages that you're creating, um, but it's not the first thing to think about. There is something that we're seeing that Ogilvy couldn't have seen because they didn't exist when Ogilvy was around, something that's more important, or at least as important as your headline, and you should be working on it with your headline. And that is your buttons. No big surprise there, hopefully. We all talk about buttons like they're microcopy, though, like they're really small and we don't need to think about them. Um, but headlines and buttons work together, and this is what I know to be true at this point in my life after a lot of testing and learning. So what does that really mean? So, you'll remember this, we just looked at this test, um, little modest lift, when we just tested the headlines against each other. So what we did, I looked at that headline, and I was like, this headline should be performing a lot better than it's performing. Something's happening here that's making it very unfair. And of course, to measure success on a page in a test, we're often measuring based on clicks. So if the button is unattractive, unappealing, if it's not engaging you in some way, perhaps that is making your headline not perform as well as it, ought, as it could, simply because the button isn't letting people convert or isn't encouraging them to do the thing that the headline is setting them up for. So we tested. Um, we've already seen the other variation, but this is the control again with this simple sign up now button, sign up now. Um, and we tested that with the risky headline and an optimized button as well. And that button is, show me outfits I'll love. And um, we basically swiped that from Crazy Eggs, show me my heat map, because it was such an outstanding button that was like really hard to beat. Um, so we took that and went with it. It beat the control. Any sense guesses by how much? And we've talked about it on our blog, so don't go on our blog. But yeah, 124% more clicks to sign up. 
just by changing the button. Of course, the button is the site of conversion, right? You can't convert online without clicking a button. So of course, if Ogilvy was around today, he'd probably be looking at buttons too because that's how we measure conversions. That's a step towards you know, moving deeper into your funnel. So just as a close-up here of this, the difference is only the button here, just the button copy, and that's the difference. So if you were looking at this data alone, if you'd never heard that headlines are so important, if that maybe, and maybe some of you haven't heard that, which is really good news, but if you'd never heard that, would you think we should focus all of our efforts on the headline, or would you start maybe to see the importance of working on buttons too, to try to get people to do the things you want them to do? Now with that in mind, okay, well, how can we do that? What are some things that I can do, Joanna, that I can take away and go do right now on my site? And that is we recommend that you do optimize your headline and button copy at the same time together for maximum results. It might not be that great um, for learning, like people who are really deep into A-B testing and CRO would probably challenge this, but when we don't have a lot of traffic, you usually have to do an A-B test, and that's the best you can do, and your B has to be, has to put your best foot forward. And that's where doing your headline and button copy at the same time can get you there. So we did this. <laughs> another case study, A, B, C test. Um, we're just gonna show you A and C, the control and the winner. So we optimize the headline and the button at the bottom of the form, which you can, I think, sort of see there. There is a little button underneath that form. Um, that's control. B is an optimized headline without an optimized button. And C is this guy right here, optimized headline and optimized button. B didn't do much at all. C, again, led to 10.3% more leads. That's completed leads, and that's all these guys do. They're out of Australia, they just bring in leads. So previously we were looking at, oh, people clicked more, people, and then on the next page they have to do more work. This is, they completed the form and submitted it. So 10% more leads is actually pretty significant. So good trick to figure out what you should do if you're going to optimize your headline and your button at the same time um, is to repeat your headline copy in your button. If you don't know what your button should be, and you don't want it to be submit, obviously, or anything like that, um, a good trick is just to take the value that you're talking about in your headline and pop it into your button. We did this with Schedulicity on their um, trial start page. And the control is, you know, the headline is end appointment scheduling hassles. The control button is try Schedulicity free, which is a perfectly fine button. But when we added, when we did a test where it was end my scheduling hassles as that button instead, we saw a good lift. So that's like another reason. I know these are like individual case studies and there's always things that you can say that are like, well, what about on this? And that's exactly the point. It's not, there's always going to be a test that shows something is not true. Um, but this over lots and lots and lots and lots of tests, this has continued to be something that feels very, very true. Now one more thing about buttons, and I won't keep talking on about buttons, but I should because they're really important. Um, when you're writing your button and when you're writing your headline, don't suggest work. So what does that look like? Don't make people think that their lives are going to get harder in any way when they click the button. Make their lives easier. Um, another test, this was for co-schedule. Is anybody familiar with co-schedule? They're an editorial calendar for WordPress. Um, so we were testing just, we were just trying to increase clicks on the try it free now button, the orange one right there in the middle of the page. Um, 
what's wrong with that button is really the first question we asked, right? What is it not doing that it could be doing better? Um, try is a good word to use. It's low commitment. Uh, free is also a, often a good word to use. Um, now is another good word to use because it speaks to instant gratification and um, urgency and all of those good things. But we were thinking, okay, if this solution is meant for people who use WordPress and they can install it immediately in WordPress, then isn't that really the instant gratification that they're looking for? So we tested a new button that said add it to WordPress now. Try it free now versus add it to WordPress now. Which one do you think would win? A or B? A is try it free, B is add it. Okay, a little bit divided there. C, it's always C. The answer is always C. Um, yeah, no, this was really bad. Yeah, so not only do we get fewer clicks on the button, but, and you might think, well, the people who did click might have been better qualified. They were ready to add it to WordPress now. Uh, it didn't end up turning into more signups down the road, though. So it really didn't help in any way, this button. And when we're looking at it, the real problem is that, what if I don't want to add it to WordPress right now? I'm suggesting work with it, right? There's a sense that my life might get a little bit harder when I click this button, even if it's just for a moment. And of course, try it free now and add it to WordPress now are both going to the ex exact same page. You still have to do the work afterward. People don't want to be reminded of the work that they have to do. They want their lives to feel better. Everything that we should be doing and saying on our pages should help them feel like their lives are going to get better, not harder, even if it's true that they will get a little harder for a moment. So that's part one of the three things that I know to be true. The second one is this, and this has really helped me with optimizing copy and optimizing entire funnels. The idea is that everything, every element on your page, every element in your emails, every element that you will work on at all where there's a word on the page um, has one job to do, and it can only be responsible for one job, that's it. Not everything is responsible for getting a sale. Some things will be responsible for certain little bits that add up to an ultimate sale, ideally, that's the point. So here's what I really mean. We're gonna look through a typical process for bringing a lead in and converting them in general. So people start on a PPC ad. What's the job really of the PPC ad? To get the click, right? A qualified click, ideally. If it's qualified, it'll make life a lot easier as we move down the path. But yeah, so okay, it does its job. It's a pretty obvious job. There's only one thing it can be responsible for. What is it supposed to do? It's the most obvious thing. Make it responsible for that click. Not for a sale, for the click. The landing page headline, okay? So I've come from the PPC ad, I've landed on a landing page. What's the headline's job? The headline's job is purely to keep them there. Now there are a lot of ways you can go about it, but if you just think my headline can only be responsible for keeping people on this page, nothing else, then that can dramatically simplify how you write and optimize your copy. Okay, so it does its job, perfect. The landing page body, its job is to move people more closer towards that call to action that we want them to take. It does its job. Now it's an opt-in page, so there's a form. Job of the form is to get people to complete it. It's the most obvious job, but that is the right job that it should be doing. What happens if you have a 32 field form? 
things probably fall apart, right? And that's it. It's over. That's the end of it. Um, there's nothing more that can be done. And you can see at exactly what point, just like in an assembly line, exactly what point things start to go awry if you look at things based on the jobs that they have to do. So everything moves through. We've got our whole from beginning to end. And if you can move people through each step here, making each element responsible for one task and one task alone, all as part of a bigger assembly line where you're really creating a product and that product is your customer, so they start out as a prospect and they move slowly towards the point of being a customer. If you can measure and just focus on that one job per element, you can dramatically, we've seen at least, um, simplify how you optimize your site and what you do at each step there. You can look at if things fall apart on the email CTA, if people aren't moving forward, people aren't clicking that email CTA, well now we can say, okay, that's the place it has to be optimized. Really straightforward, really obvious it seems, but it's not until you actually do it um, that it actually starts to come together. So your headline has one job, that's to keep them. Your button has one job, it is not to sell, it is to get clicked, that is its job. And when we're in emails, which we're going to talk about now, your subject line has one job. What could that be? To get opened. Exactly. To get opened. It's the most obvious natural job for it. There's nothing else that can be possibly have to do. And yet, we see people trying to summarize all of the content in their email in that subject line. They try to sell in the subject line. They say things that are going to happen three steps down in the subject line, and they're not making the subject line responsible for that one job, which is to get open. I don't mean, by, I don't mean trickery either to get things opened. There's a lot of things we could say in a subject line to get people to open it. That's not the goal. But the goal is, as part of an assembly line, what can your subject line do to get open so that people then want to do the next thing that comes in? So I was working with um, MetaLab. They design Slack. They run Flow, which Lance is CMO of. Um, and these are the three subject lines that we were testing for their welcome email for new trial users. Get started with Flow. Welcome to Flow. And can I ask you something? And the from name was Andrew at Flow. Um, so the from name was the same across all of these. Get started with Flow, welcome to Flow, and can I ask you something? Which one of these is more likely to perform best? Guys, I wasn't actually ready for you to answer that yet. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, no, it's true. So well, let's, walk, let's walk through it right before we actually go there. So what's the problem then with get started with Flow? as a subject line with the job of getting people to open the email. It does, that's absolutely true. And that work happens in the email? No, you can't get started with flow in the email. You're going to have to read the email, click the button, and move back to the app in order to actually get started with flow. So it's not doing the job of getting people to open, it's talking about work that's going to happen way down the path. Welcome to flow, okay. It's not talking about something that's going to happen way down the path. It's talking about what's going to happen here, but is it working hard? Is it doing its job? Would you keep hiring it to keep saying welcome to Flow to people? Is it really working hard? It's doing better than get started with Flow. And then can I ask you something? What's, what's working for can I ask you something then? What's, what's happening there? 
what's going on is, of course, people have to answer that. They're kind of engaged, right? I need to open that because you're going to ask me something. So I'm going to open it. That is the job that it has to do. It has to get opened, and it's found a way to do that. It's worked hard to do that. Of course, once you open the email, you better actually ask me something, or I'm going to be pretty stoked, or pretty unimpressed, and um, unsubscribe. So we saw a 54% open rate versus the control, um, which is pretty good, right? When we think about all of our your trial users, um, how many more of them could actually engage with your product and start using it if they would just open that first email? Another one still in that sign up um, email um, flow is create some tasks and flow, and I think this might help you get started, Joanna. Just more opens, right? It's working harder, it's trying harder. Um, this one wasn't a test. This is just a good example of a subject line that's working hard. Um, this is the welcome email for Neil Patel's Quick Sprout Drip campaign, which I wrote. Um, and it is working very, very hard to get opened. Boom, all caps, right? Not a lot of us would want to do that. Not a lot of us would want to be that noticed and use all caps in our subject line with an exclamation point. But it's getting people's attention. That's a huge part of getting opened. If they don't notice you're there, it's, you, they can't open your email if they didn't even know it was there. Get noticed. It doesn't mean you have to use all caps in yours, but you do have to get noticed. Um, this is how you get more traffic and convert it. So they signed up to get a guide on traffic and conversion. And so it's matching their expectations. So that's good for getting opens as well. Um, and then this, this is the tricky part that's called an empty suitcase. People don't know what this is. So they want to open the email in order to find out what this is. How's it done? He sends this like crazy, right? He has, I think we all can appreciate that Neil Patel has a very large list. 100% um, open rate, but this is the unique open rate at 84%. 84% again and again, and I know it fluctuates, but that's where it averages out at 84% just for this, for a lot of people who are choosing to open this email. Now what's inside of it is another story, but this is all just trying to keep things responsible for the jobs that they are responsible for. Get more people into your email, then make that email better and continue to optimize the whole process. Along the same lines, your email call to action has one job. Your entire email, everything in there has one job. Your hook or your lead, which is the opening of your email, that opening line, um, it has one job, just like your headline. It's to keep people, but you have to work on it. It has to be doing work to keep people engaged in your email. And going all the way through it, every step, every piece. If something isn't doing work in the copy you're writing, it doesn't belong there. It has to go. Everything has to be part of the assembly line. So this comes to us courtesy of um, Brad and Matt over at Send With Us, which is this cool Victoria startup. Um, they did a guide to transactional email, which you can download for free on, uh, on Send With Us. And this is one of the case studies in there. So SendGrid. SendGrid sent out this email. All the pieces are doing their job. It gets opened. Call to action here, which is they didn't um, SendGrid didn't circle it. That's just for us, obviously. Um, sign up for free webcast. What's it doing, right? What is it doing? What is the job that that is trying to do? The job is to get clicked. The job is to get confidently clicked. That's what a button is supposed to do, right? That's its one job. They tested it against this button, which 
is preview the agenda. Which one is talking about the thing that's actually going to happen? Sign up for free webcast isn't actually going to happen. Once you click that, you're one, doing work. Two, you're several steps away from actually signing up versus preview the agenda, which is something that I can expect to actually do as soon as I click that button. It makes the button infinitely more clickable or at least 83% more clickable. This is the third and final thing that I know to be true. It's not meant to be offensive, of course. You don't have a clue. We don't have a clue. Nobody has a clue. Nobody here, I don't have a clue, you don't have a clue. Nobody has a clue what you should actually be saying to your customers and prospects. Nobody knows that. You know who knows it? Only those customers know what you should say to them. And they don't consciously know it. You shouldn't ask them, what should I say to you? But the point is that your messages don't come from you. They don't come from looking in the mirror. They don't come from sitting around talking about what we should say. They come from listening. The best copywriters are great listeners and copy editors. And that is the extent of it. You find the message that other people are saying, you steal it, and you edit it into your page. We don't have a clue. And as soon as we can get past that idea that the best message is actually sitting in your head, the sooner you get past that, the sooner your conversion rates do improve. So the trick is not to write, but to swipe. Swipe your best messages. Now, this is a case study. We did this with uh, Keep and Share. So they are this solution. They have like seven apps that all work together to do one thing. And it was a little confusing to us what the value proposition was. So we did this as a value prop test for their headline. Um, we tested a whole bunch of value propositions against it, you know, with the value prop being what's unique and highly desirable about your product, messaged. Um, so we sat around, Lance and I sat and thought through some value props. We did a very bad thing and just sitting there looking at each other, thinking, well, what's so great about this solution? And we came up with a whole bunch. I think we tested three against this control, and it was flat. There was nothing. There was nothing happening. We were like, well, I guess there's no value proposition for this product. Um, but that's obviously untrue. So I went through the site. And I landed on, I was looking through some of their testimonials. And I landed on this one guy who wrote, and he'd said um, something about, you know, you've, Keep and Share has helped us eliminate um, most of our paper files. So I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. It helps you eliminate paper. Who knew, right? So we tested that, eliminate up to 99% of your paper files. And finally, at long last, we got significant lift, increase in engagement or clicks on the page. Just by listening to people that were not us, by not looking in the mirror to find that message. So we swiped it almost verbatim from a testimonial. And importantly here, you don't want to swipe from really polished testimonials where it's really been overworked a lot, but from those raw initial thoughts that people share with you. Testimonials are one, there's countless places you can go to find your message rather than looking um, internally, right? All your support emails, um, Amazon reviews we're about to talk about, any, any place where people, your prospects and your customers are speaking and writing naturally is the place you can go to to start looking for those sticky messages that are most likely to resonate with your prospects. So here's an example 
we do this a lot, swiping from Amazon reviews, and I wish it was my idea. It's not. I swiped it from Jay Abraham. Um, he talked about it once, too. And it's just a really, really easy way to go about, especially if you're kind of scared of talking to customers, which I know a lot of people are. They know they should do customer interviews. Um, but when it comes down to it, you kind of like keep postponing that. And you just don't get around to it. Um, so if you don't love talking to customers or you're just not that confident yet, um, go through Amazon reviews. And the idea there is to find a book or a product, but I use books, on the subject that you're trying, that you're, you're, you're solving for. Um, and here, we did this with, uh, with Beachway, which is a rehab center in Florida. You might have seen this. I talked about it on Mixergy and stuff like that. Um, but the control headline is, your addiction ends here. We were optimizing the copy on this site. So the first thing I did was I went and I looked at the competitor landscape. What are people saying? How are they saying it? What can we anticipate our prospects are possibly coming across when they're looking for their rehab center for themselves or for their loved one? So we did a content audit. We looked at all of these other sites just to get a feel for how they were talking. And these aren't really that, um, they don't show just the the wall of text that you would see on these, these floral messages, this really kind of um, condescending sort of tone almost, right, that you can't imagine would work for an addict, nor would it work for somebody who's, who loves an addict and is trying to get help for them. It was really wordy. And none of it was really hitting home on something. Nobody was daring to say anything at all. Um, and so I had that in mind when I was going through these Amazon book reviews. So I looked at six books um, on living with addiction, on overcoming addiction, um, on alcoholism, on drug use, six different titles. The books I didn't read. The reviews I read, all of them, read through them, looking for that sticky message. What's the thing that people who actually experience this are feeling and thinking and worried about? And with this boring copy, very um, dry, uh, but yet floral kind of copy in mind, and then the idea of an addict in mind, this line stood out to me when I was going through the Amazon book review. Somebody wrote this about one of, when he was going through and writing his book review. If you think you need rehab, you do. And it's, it's stuck, right? And this is kind of the thing that you, the more you do, the more you read through these book reviews and things like that, the more these little phrases will stand out to you, verbatim. If you think you need rehab, you do. So we tested it. We made it the new headline against that control, as well as two other um, headlines. One was a data point, one was a testimonial. Um, nobody thought, if you think you need rehab, you do, would win. It was like, OK, well, Joanna, you say you want to do it, so OK, fine. We'll test it. We'll see how it goes. Um, it beat everything. We got a 400% increase in clicks on that button. And on the next page, although it's not responsible for conversions on the next page, we got 26% more completed leads, which when you're selling, when you're running a rehab center and a bed is worth $20,000 to $30,000 a month, if you don't have those beds filled all the time, it's very expensive. If you have a good amount of leads to pull from, obviously now you're making really good money. So this was a huge win. I didn't have to do anything more than listen and be a copy editor. You just have to go out and see what people are already saying. They're already saying it out there. There's so much data out there that you could be pulling from to write your copy. One thing about swiping, though, is do not swipe from other test winners. So even the ones we've seen here, the ones that we read about on our blog, the ones that you see from your competitors, don't swipe 
from them. It's scary, it's tricky, it can't be done well. So this is, has anybody seen this ad before? Yeah, it's pretty popular, right? It's perhaps the best performing ad of all time, written by um, John Caples. They laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I started to play. Now, almost every headline that we see on um, Upworthy and BuzzFeed and all of those things, they're written based on this exact headline formula. So this has been, and then of course the whole ad is also about selling piano lessons. It's a pretty good ad. If you were going to sell piano lessons, you might want to start by kind of knocking this off on your site. True also if you're gonna sell guitar lessons. So Jamarama sells guitar lessons. And they came to us and said, how can we optimize our site? And we were like, well, why not just try doing what they did in that ad? Why not try it, right? If it performed so well for decades, why not kind of repeat their success or try to um, here? So that's what we did. We tested. Um, they all laughed when I picked up the guitar, but when I started to play, we kept it as close to the control as we possibly could. The control, um, sorry, not the control, it's close to the high-performing uh, cables ad. What happened? It totally tanked, and we ran it for a long time, too, and it just tanked. It was like an, another one of those like, oh, cringeworthy kind of experiments, but we did learn something really valuable, and that is do not try to borrow other people's success and use it to create your own success. 30% fewer conversions when we worked with something that should have been. Imagine if we hadn't tested. Imagine if you'd just gone out and done it because you saw it had worked for other people. So that is the extent of what I know to be true, and that is today only. Things are changing all the time, right? So I feel I'm still confident about this, but you never know what another test will reveal, and so that's why we continue to test and continue to kind of do the things that we're talking about in here today, which is not acting like the headline is everything, but treating your button as, it's as important as your headline. Give everything one job to do. Don't ask it to do more than the one job it has to do and don't look internally for your next winning message. If you liked this talk, I'd encourage you to at mention copy hackers and microconf and you know, let Joanna know the impact it's, it's had on you or the thought process or you know, whatever it did for you. And uh, let us know at microconf or at Rob Walling that you'd like to hear more of these. We have a lot of, of talks. I think we have close to 200. And we, if we pick the best of these out, which is you know our current plan and release one a week, we do have a lot of content that we can get on this feed that hopefully gets your mind rolling and, and hits you at the right time and, and offers some knowledge, some wisdom, some inspiration when you need it. So thanks for joining me today. And I will talk to you in the next episode.